Well done. Are we still going to dance? Am I doing something with you? Because I, I can bring it right now. They're like, no, we're out. We're, can we thank them one more time? And What a wonderful, wonderful way to, to present the gospel. I, I tell you, what is, I tell you what, are, what is good about your children, your grandchildren, nieces, nephews, and just stray kids we find, is that they're learning about Jesus Christ at an early age. And all the times that they're practicing, they're learning about Jesus. They're not just coming up here and doing a performance. They're actually worshiping God with their gifts and the talents that he has given to them. And at an early age, they're learning that. Uh, I want to say thank you to Auntie Kim, Auntie Debbie, all of you parents who have worked so hard at this because they're learning about Jesus, even behind the scenes. Yesterday when they were uh, practicing, they take them on the side and they explain to them what they're doing, who Jesus is, what Palm Sunday is all about, all about and what, why we celebrate the person of Jesus. And I think the more we do that in our world, the more we'll begin to see our world taking that slow turn for the goodness of God. And we play a part in that. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for believing in not just this generation, but even the generations to come. And I think when we think of greatness, when we think of what God has called us to become and who he's called us to become, this one word that we're going to be talking about today called greatness can only be seen when we see who God is. Because that's what true greatness is. It's, it's who God is. There's nothing greater than God. So when we look to him and when we see him, then great things happen in our lives. This series that we're going through called Rediscover, we're, we're talking about certain things that we've known before, certain things we've discovered, which means we came upon, learned, had new information, and then we lost it, so now we have to rediscover it once again. And even as children, we, we want to achieve greatness. We want to do great things, but somewhere along the line as we grow up, we forget that God created us for greatness. And so today we're going to take a look at this word greatness. In fact, look at the person next to you and tell them you are greatness. Tell them that. You are greatness. That's right. No matter how much you disagree, there's, there's, you guys are still talking. You're not supposed to add in things like, oh, I just saying that because the pastor said, but you're really not that great because yesterday you never mowed a lawn. So it's, we all have greatness inside of us. And the way the world sees greatness and the way we see greatness according to the ways of God might be completely different. So we want to get an accurate decision, uh, definition of what greatness looks like. And the Bible gear, gives us a clear picture of what greatness truly is. And like the song said, you got to love with your life. That's exactly what Jesus did for all of us. That's why we celebrate this week. In the book of Matthew, chapter 21, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And if not, I, I have, I'll read the, the story to us. I'll read the scripture. Now, you also have your a New Hope Church app, if you want to open that up so you can take notes. Or in your bulletin, there is a place that you can take notes. And this will help you to follow along. But the story that we're going to look at is the reason why we call this Palm Sunday. This is the reason why we celebrate the person of Jesus Christ this week. And what a way to kick off our Easter week. And we're also going to have a concert this Friday, uh, Christafari. They're a reggae group, so if you're into that kind of music, then you will want to be here. If you're not into that kind of music, you're into that kind of God, because God is who He is, and He has different styles of music. So we're going to have a worship time, as well as um, some prayer time. 
But this invitation that you found in your bulletin is a way for you to welcome people and invite people uh, to this Friday as well as for next week, Sunday, for our Easter services. And this is the week where people will most likely attend church. They just need to know where to go, and they need, for, for many, they just need to be invited. They know where to go, but when you invite them, they're more likely to come. And so for, even for the concert, just tell them, you know what, my treat, I'll treat you to the concert. <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, but it's free. Yeah, but you, you just tell them you're going to treat them. So uh, Palm Sunday, Matthew chapter 21. It starts off in this way in, in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me, and if anyone asks anything of you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. So this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had, asked, had, had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the coat and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut palm branches down from the trees, they spread them out on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now the people were asking because Jesus had already performed a lot of his miracles. He was doing great things and and people were wondering, Well, who is this? What are they celebrating? Some people just walked by. Some people didn't care. Some people hated him. Some people were skeptical. But there were many who are praising him because they loved him. And not that much has changed. Just look at our world today. Some people hate Jesus. Some people are skeptical of him. But there are a lot that love him. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, he was giving them a a clear picture of what greatness really looked like. Oh, greatness to the people, for some of them, was a, a king riding on a white stallion. That's what they wanted. They wanted a king who would be able to rule the land and take over, but that's not the kind of king Jesus is. He's a king of all. He's a king of all nations, all peoples, all languages, and a king forever. He's an eternal king. So what they, what they wanted was an earthly king, but that's not who Jesus was, and that's not who he is. And so when he comes into Jerusalem, people are expecting one thing, but Jesus, as great as he is, never changed because he didn't have to. Because he, he is who he is. He's greatness. Greatness can be described as the quality of being great or distinguished or eminent. And for some of us, according to this definition, we might look at our lives and say, well, I come up short then of this word called greatness. But I want us to take a look at our lives right now. Just do a, a quick assessment, almost like a self-evaluation. And then ask yourself, is, is this where I wanted to be at this season of life? Is this what greatness was supposed to look like at this point in my life? Now, you may have different feelings. You may feel that, well, I've I've come up short from what greatness is. I I may have not achieved everything that I wanted to. 
Maybe you feel comfortable where you're at, or maybe you feel like a failure, or you feel inadequate, or you feel lost, or you feel that you, you, you're so discouraged that you wish things were better, or whatever you're feeling. I want you to put your feelings on hold for a while. Just put your feelings on hold, and I want us, I want us to look at three areas that we might be missing when it comes to what greatness truly is, because the Bible will give us some principles to follow when it comes to rediscovering greatness. And here's the first thing, if you want to write it in, just be careful not to believe every spirit. Just be careful that you don't believe every spirit because you're going to have different spirits come your way. Now, we grew up in probably uh, in a way that when we talk about spirits, we think of ghosts. We think of spooky and things like that. But there is a spirit of anger. There's a spirit of frustration, a spirit of poverty. So different types of spirit, a spirit of irritation, a spirit of pride. So you have different spirits coming at you. And constantly, because we live in a world that people have feelings, people have their own viewpoints, there are trends that come in, feelings that we have personally, we say things to ourselves, things that motivate us, or maybe the heart behind something. That could be a spirit also. Or what's in right now, the fad. Or someone else's good intentions. There's a spirit behind that. So it's not necessarily just the, you know, the spirit as in our soul. It could be the spirit of something. Just that spirit that comes upon us. And if we believe every spirit that comes our way, then of course we'll, we'll be tossed to and fro. But something has to Something has to be absolute. Something has to allow us to test those spirits. There, there needs to be something that we can turn to that we can say, wait a minute then, how do I know what spirits I should be believing? What should I allow in my life? Because some things may sound good. I was talking to my sister yesterday. Uh, she lives on Oahu. She's a year older. And I said, hey, April, her name is April. I said, can I, can I tell the story in church about when you did this certain thing? And she said, oh, well, I was six years old, so that's not me anymore. I said, I know that's not you anymore, but can I tell the story? And so she says, why do you want to tell this story? I said, because it's, it's exactly what we're going to be talking about on how not to believe every spirit. So she said, okay, and here's the story. When my sister was six, I was five years old. There was this neighbor, a girl, who was making trouble to my sister, riding, riding her tricycle and running my sister's feet over banging into her and making trouble. So my sister made good friends, became her friend. Like, like, oh, oh, why don't you be my friend? I want to play with you. I want to be your friend. And so she was acting nice to her. So once that neighbor friend believed that my sister was trying to be friends and my sister knew, she said, come play by me. Come play by me and brought her into a red ant pile. Now this is like Keokaha red ants, you know, on the field, or, or Paneva Park red ants, or, you know, those, they got the pile, not the small, slow red ants, the fire ants. These are like, like full-on red ants, and the, the girl that my sister brought uh, onto the uh, rant, uh, ed, ed, what am I saying? Red ant pile. <laughs> the red ant pile. Uh, she was light-skinned, so it looked even worse. And so all the red ants climbed up her body and started biting her. And my sister held her there. Now, don't be surprised. You guys did this too. So don't even, 
Don't even, don't even be in church like, whoa, whoa, wow, how evil. Start thinking of what you used to do. You're like, I used to throw ants on people. So she held her there, and the girl ran home to her mom, and I remember her mom spraying a uh, raid on her. And my sister just watched. Now, some of you are at the age where you remember this movie called Sybil? Right? Remember that movie, Sybil? I don't remember too much of it, but I just remember calling my sister that. Because there was like a split personality in her. I'm like, how, how can you do this to this, this little girl? Well, she was making trouble to me. And that's six years old. You figure she would grow out of that. At about nine years old, she's with another friend, and that friend was making trouble to her, so she befriends her again and says, oh, come over to my house. I'm going to put makeup on you. We're going to beautify your face. We're going to put curls in your hair. So come over. We'll, we'll curl your hair with the hot iron, right? So the girl comes over. And my sister says, sit here on the, on, the, on the bed. And she puts her down where the hot iron was and held her there. So I'm like, I ain't messing with my sister for one thing. But the second thing, I said, she is evil. And now I'm asking my sister if I can tell these stories. And she says this. She goes, but you got to tell them I'm not like that anymore. I'm not like that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not as evil as I was before. She said, before, I used to manipulate people, but now I use my good for influence. I said, what good? How can there be good in that? But sure, she's grown out of that, and, and sure, as, as little children, we behave in that way. But I thought, how often we've had situations where spirits, people, or even things that look good in the world kind of whisper to us and say, come play by me. It could be the devil himself saying, hey, hey, come here, come here. And then next thing you know, we're being bitten or burned. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, at what point do we come to where we get bitten and burned so much that we feel that there's no more greatness in us? Maybe our, our, our past always bites us and we, we keep reverting back to our old ways or, or our memory that we have and we can no longer persevere towards the greatness of God that he sees in us. Because God is the one who first breathed into our soul greatness. And even as children, we know there's something great in us. But we've listened to so many different spirits and voices and things that took place in our lives and situations that greatness has been robbed from us. John, who is one of Jesus' disciples, was there at the cross of Christ And Jesus said to John about his mother Mary, he said, behold your mother and Mary, behold your son. In in other words, he was saying to John, take care of my mom. This is your family now. In fact, next week we're going to be talking about rediscovering family and what that means and, and why God wants us in his family and why Jesus came and died on the cross. But he says this to John and John writes the book of John and is is also known to write First, second, and third John. And in first John, he writes this Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, when we see the word Antichrist, sometimes we think end times, last days. But really what John was saying is anti is against, 
So he's saying any spirit that comes in that is against Christ, beware of these spirits. Because sometimes we just follow what sounds good and we chase after things that make us feel good. And how often we've been duped by those things. We've been scammed, in other words. Have you ever had a phone call and you just know it's a scam? I had one the other day and the guy saying, hello. I said, hello. He said, who am I speaking with? I'm thinking, who you like talk to? You called me. You tell me. So I said, uh, yes, what is this for? He said, who am I speaking with? I said, what is this for? He said, well, you won some money. And I said, okay, send it. Because I've been scammed before. Someone said, hey, if you want to go into acting, all you have to do is wire me $350. And it's a long story, but really, I got scammed out of $350 because I thought I was going to go into acting, which I'm not today, ever. So I thought, how often we've been scammed. Some of you have been out of money, thousands of dollars, because it sounded good. Or maybe someone fixed your car and, and they didn't know how to. And they just touch one wire, touch one wire, okay, spark plug, okay, work, okay. And the next thing you know, your car breaks down. You thought the person who you were giving money to was going to take care of you. And we've been scammed. Why? Because we listen to every spirit that sounds good. And then it happens to us even in our spiritual walk. Things sound good and we chase after that. And after a while, we figure out, wait a minute, that wasn't God. And greatness has been robbed from us. And God says, no, no, no. I, I want you to rediscover what greatness really is all about. Jesus said it like this. I have told you these things. And here's why. So that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus is saying, yep, in the world you're going to have trouble. But in me you're going to have peace. So whenever you feel like you're in trouble, it may be an indication that we're not pressing into the Lord, we're pressing more into the world. And it could possibly be that now we're beginning to look more and more like the world rather than of Christ. Jesus is saying, greatness is not living for the world, greatness is in you. It's inside of you. It's not not trying to find where greatness is, It's, it's knowing that I've already put that in you. Now, some of you love the movie Moana, and you sing it all day long. Some of the kids sing it. And once you get a tagline in your head, you can't get it out. Let me give you a tagline. See if you can get this out of your head. And the call isn't out there at all. It's in. See, look, you guys are singing it already. It's like the tide. Always falling in. You're like, what are you saying? (laughs) You know what she was saying? And and I love this cartoon because that one tagline that the call isn't out there at all. It's inside you. And if a cartoon can paraphrase that and say that, how much more should we as people who follow God? See, God, God gave us a spirit and breathed into us greatness. But something robbed us of that. Or or it could be just our own thoughts that we think to ourselves, I I don't have greatness. Or this is as far as I'm going to go. So here's a second thing we have to be aware of. Be aware of what I'm listening to. we got to be aware of what we're listening to. Because certain things will come in, and when they do, it'll come out. Whatever comes into our lives, most likely is that which will come out of our lives. 
So greatness in, greatness out. But if we're bringing in things that are not great, then you're not going to have great things come out. And most of the time, we're just listening to what entertains us or what is trending or, or sometimes, without choice, by what surrounds us and what people are saying. Have you ever been at work and, and maybe the person next to you is, is on a phone call and they're talking bad about a situation or maybe even someone or maybe even about you and they don't know you're listening. And after a while, you start listening to what they're saying and you act like you're working and you're trying to listen and they just start gossiping. You're thinking, what? They believe that? No way. And you're just listening and then now you're starting to think like how they think. And then when you see the person they were talking about, Either you say something to them, hey, you know, so-and-so was saying this, or you start seeing the person as how they were talking about them. So it paints a picture of a person that you have not even met or even known because there are just things that surround us. And we listen to it sometimes without even us trying. It just, it surrounds us. We were at Disneyland, and if you've ever been to Disneyland, they have these lines that kind of, you know, they go in like... Back and forth, zigzag and spiral and then up and down and over into the bunny trails. And then you pop up in the same place. You've been there for a half an hour. You're like, what? How am I even here? But you see the same people over and over. Whereas this one lady, and she's complaining about her boyfriend and loud. And so she's complaining about her boyfriend. And, and we can hear, everybody can hear. And she's using some foul language. And this is Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. And I got a beep in my brain because she's talking and I'm, so I'm telling Heidi I said Heidi should I say something like should I should I should I like say excuse me ma'am but there are children around or something Heidi says I just tune her out I said well how do you do that she says I do that to you no she didn't say that I just so she said I just tune her out so I'm, I'm trying to but it's hard when it's so loud so I told Heidi I said you know when people talk loud what if I talk loud like them you think they'll notice and she goes, I don't think you should do that. I say, okay, 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 okay. So she, now she starts talking more about her boyfriend on the phone, talking to someone else. You know, he should, just, he should just go home, okay? We're already here. We're already in line. So he should just go home. If he doesn't want to be here, too bad for him. Beep, here it is, beep, and beep. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, there are all these children around her listening to her. So I'm getting frustrated. So I'm thinking, how can I send this woman home? Should I go to a worker and say, hey, you know, this lady is, is she's going crazy in the park. So we paid money not to hear this. So I'm thinking of all this, and I'm talking to Heidi. Heidi said, just enjoy this. I said, I have a hard time because this lady, she should go home. She should be sent home. I should call the cops. Maybe I can call, like, Mickey Mouse, and Mickey Mouse come in and arrest her. Somebody, Minnie, come. Somebody. So after a while, this is what I noticed. I became just like her. I was getting angry. I was getting frustrated. And now I'm starting to think like her, like, how do I send her home? She's trying to send her boyfriend home. And I thought, how, how quickly and, and how easily when we have let things come in, whatever we're listening to, how it influences us and robs us of greatness. Now, that was a, maybe a 20, 30-minute time span. Imagine 20, 30 years of letting these things come in. When God himself said, I've, I've destined you for greatness, what are you listening to? What are you allowing to come into your life? John says this, he says, you dear children are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world. 
They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. Yeah, John is saying, listen, when Jesus lives in you, that's where greatness comes from because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So when we tend to look at the world, we may look at an athlete, some uh, famous movie star, and, and some of them, yeah, they believe in God and they have greatness according to God. But for some, we just see that that's greatness, having more, obtaining more, being more famous, and, and that's what greatness is. But here's the problem. That's max in this world. That's, that's as far as we can go if we measure greatness by the ways of the world. But God says there's another type of greatness, a greatness that is greater than you in this world. And it's Christ. That's true greatness. If we can live Christ in this world, that's what is going to make this world great. It's being like Christ. And not forgetting that it's, it's his spirit in us. We, we already have that tendency to, 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 to have that ability to bring out greatness because God first breathed in his spirit. When my child, uh, my oldest son, when he was younger, uh, we used to wrestle a lot. And in, in those times, later 80s, 90s, uh, Hulk Hogan was the guy. That's the wrestler, Hulk Hogan. So when we would wrestle, we would have to pick a wrestler. And so my son, Justin, he would pick Hulk Hogan. And then I would have to, yeah, brother. And then we would have to, I would have to pick another wrestler. Well, I would not give him chance so I would pin down my son, and he would try and kick out and, you know, try and grab me. And, and after a while, he'd get frustrated. And then he would say, you, you're too hard. You're holding me down. I said, well, too bad. You've you got to get up. You've you got you to gotta find your way out. I mean, I know you're three, but you've got to figure this out, son. <laughs> you've got to do something. So we would wrestle, and, and he would get so upset, and he would cry, I don't want to play, you junk, you just throw me around. I said, but I'm throwing you on the bed. It's not like you're getting hurt. You should figure this out. I don't want to play, you're going to tell mom. Go tell mom. She's going to tag team me. She's going to take you out. So let's go. Come on. And so we're trying to play, and he gets frustrated. And then I remind him, I said, hey, 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 who are you? What? I said, who are you? What do you mean? I said, who, who are you? Who'd you pick? He said, Hulk Hogan. I said, who are you? Hulk Hogan, who are you? Hulk Hogan, who are you? Hulk Hogan, who are you? I'm Hulk Hogan, brother. And then he would attack me. He'd pick me up. He'd slam me through the ground and wrestle me. And then he'd pin me down. And, and I'd say, see, it's in you. And he's still crying. Ah, I win, I win. And thinking, it's, you're, you're three, four years old. And, and just with the, the thought of being someone else, you, you can you can change your attitude. You can change your behavior. You can change the way you think, and strength comes out of you. Now, that's a, that's a character. Imagine if we remind ourselves the Spirit of the living God lives in us. Christ dwells in us. The, the Son of God, the one who rode into Jerusalem, who died on the cross and rose again three days later. That is absolute greatness. That's who lives in us. So don't let the world tell you otherwise. Jesus is as great as he is today as he was before the beginning of time. Nothing stops him, not even the grave or the cross. So what can stop you? Only you. No one else can. They tried that to Christ. And if Christ lives in you, 
and he overcame death, what, what are you not able to do? What aren't you able to become? There's greatness living in every single person because God breathed that in us, but we've since forgotten. And if you ever feel defeated, ask yourself, who lives in me? Ask yourself that because Christ dwells in you. Once we start being infected by the world, then it slowly starts to spread into every other area of our life. But thanks be to God because of his love that draws us back to himself, to the person of Jesus Christ. So here's the last thing. If, if you want to achieve greatness, we've got to remember that, that we cannot achieve greatness apart from the love of God. It's, we, we just cannot. It'll be a show. It'll be, a, it, it'll be like a feel-good thing, but we cannot achieve greatness apart from the love of God. Love is the motivation in everything we do. It just needs to be the correct definition of love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6 says that we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen. And what John was saying is, I'm telling you about the good things of God. I'm telling you about the love of God. I'm telling you the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood, whoever you're listening to. But the question is, what is truth? Well, God himself is truth. Everything else comes up short. Do we listen to God more than anything else, even our own justifications? What does God say? 1 John 4, verses 7 through 10 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, and whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, when we love one another, greatness is being lived out. We need people to love with the love of God. And Jesus showed us what greatness truly is at the cross. It was God's love that gave us greatness, and we can only be great when we understand the magnitude of God's love that includes every single person, especially the people that you think there is no possible way they would ever come to Christ. Or we say it like this, there's no possible way that they would ever come to church. There is no way that they, if, if they step foot in here, they would think that the building is going to burn down. I used to think that the building's still here. And in case, in case they say that, we have reinforced steel and fireproof walls, so something like that. We're, we're in fire code. But they're going to say things like that. No way I can come to church. No way. God doesn't love me. Or when I get my act together, then I'll come to God. But we need God in order to get our so-called act together. You know when we say God accepts us just as we are? There's, there's a lot of truth to that. But we're also forgetting that God accepts us no matter where we are. No matter where we are in life, no matter what our beliefs are, God is beyond anything else. He loves us enough to give us his one and only son to die so that we would have an opportunity to seek him as our God. And we're going to close in, in, in prayer, but I want to tell a story before this. And when I read this story, I thought, boy, this is such a, just a, a glimpse of 
of greatness in our world. Glenn, you can come to the keyboard. This is out of Houston, Texas. So if you have some uh, Houstons here, you, you may have heard this story. But in this article, they talk about this 11-year-old boy named Roger. And it's, it's kind of a sad story, so I'm sorry. Well, it turns out good, but you might have to get Kleenex because some of you say, why you never warned me? Not my makeup all boss. So <laughs> that's why you got to wear waterproof mascara. So all eyes, here's the article, all eyes, and then we add music for the drama, oh, even worse. So all eyes on the tiny casket that 11-year-old Roger Holloway and his three young cousins carried somberly at Waller Cemetery. Then they adorned it with flowers, stuffed animals, and a baby blanket. About 15 adults were on hand to witness the event that Roger had dreamed of offering his infant sister, which was a proper burial at a cemetery near his home, complete with a tombstone bearing the name he had given her. So Roger assumed those responsibilities after his sister's body had remained in the morgue at the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office for almost a year. The infant, who had been known only as fetus girl Holloway, was stillborn as a result of her mother's illegal drug use. The baby's father could not be located, and the children's 33-year-old mother has struggled with a drug addiction for the past two years, staying away from the home for months at a time. So Roger, who did not know of his mother's pregnancy until it was over, gave the tiny little girl a name. He named her Rachel. He sought to have her buried within walking distance of his home or school. Well, the boy's determination and persistence set the case apart from those typically seen at the Harris County Social Services Department, which has the task of burying the indigent and unclaimed. Donors helped Roger achieve his mission since his grandmother, who was raising him, could not afford the expense of a private burial. The boy had refused to let his sister be buried in the Harris County Cemetery because it is 49 miles away from his home. Earlier this week, the board of St. John's Lutheran Church agreed to let Rachel be buried in its Waller Cemetery just down the street from Roger's school. The 11-year-old, who has long been aware of his mother's drug addiction, never saw his sister in person but took the baby's death very hard. Roger's mother was unable to attend Thursday's service since she is undergoing a 30-day drug rehabilitation program in a Houston hospital. But she told her son by phone that she is very proud of him and asked for his forgiveness. She's asking me if I can forgive her for what she's done, Roger said. I told her, yeah, I can forgive her. She messed up, but she's still my mom. I love her. Since my dad died, I never got to know him. And since my sister died, I never got to know her either. But the good thing is, she's with God and my dad in heaven. She's going to rest in peace. Virginia Stebbins, one of the department's bereavement counselors who sought help from other agencies to help Roger realize his goal, said this, I think this is amazing. When I look at Roger, this 11-year-old young man, I can't help but to think to myself that I am staring in the eyes of greatness. One of the many donors 
who came together to make the service happen. His name is John Hamilton. He promised Roger that he would pay for the flowers for years to come so that Roger could put flowers on his sister's grave every single week until he becomes an adult. When I read that story, I thought, it's great what Roger did, so great that it affected someone else, many people. And when you can rediscover greatness, you do great things. But when you do great things, great things happen, sometimes even in other people. What we learn from this also is you might be staring into the eyes of greatness with other people and you may not even notice it because sometimes we paint pictures of people. And we forget that they're the image of God. That's greatness. You're great not because of what you do. You're great because God made you. We just sometimes need to rediscover that. Look into the eyes of Christ. And when you do, you rediscover what true greatness is because you'll be staring in the eyes of greatness. He's the one that paid the price for our sins, died for us, so that we could live a life of greatness. You say amen to that. You bow your heads with me as we close in prayer. Lord, we're so thankful, not only for you giving your life to us, but I think we need to hear this often that we're created in your image. You've given us a life of greatness, but we live in a world that is full of trouble. But you said to, to not fear, to take heart, because you have overcome the world. And so today we, we fix our eyes on you. We want to look into your face, because that's where greatness begins. It's, it's from you. I pray for us today that if we've Maybe we've drifted from God. Maybe we've forgotten our relationship with Him and we slipped more into religion where we try to do good things to gain God's favor. And God says, you already, you already have that because I sent my son. And it's not based on your works. We do good works because we're thankful for salvation. We don't do good works to obtain it. Some of you might be here and you're saying, I, I've never given my heart to Christ. I thought I had to do something first. I thought, I thought I had to be good. But God is already good. And he's already accepted you because of what Jesus has done for you and I. And if you want to accept Jesus today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, just a brief one. And you're just saying, I want, I want Jesus in my life. I want to give my heart to him. And I'll say a prayer with you. God sees your hand. Good. God bless you right here. God bless you right here. Yeah, anybody else? You're saying, I, I want Jesus in my life. I want to give him my heart. I'm not ashamed. Yeah, God sees you. Yeah, God sees you too. Okay, you can put your hands down. We're going to pray this prayer together, all of us included, even if you said this prayer before. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. 
Thank you for dying on the cross, rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I believe in you. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Renew me. Thank you for being so great. In Jesus' name I pray. We all said, Amen. Amen.